plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Hello, Power Partners, and welcome to Wednesdays, and here we are on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network, and this is the Empowerment Channel. We're brought to the airwaves under the charity of Be the Star You Are. You can find out more information about Be the Star You Are by going to bethestarur.org. And if you are still looking for a uh, tax write-off for 2020, you might want to consider uh, writing a check because uh, because of a provision in the CARES Act, uh, you can deduct 100% of your adjusted gross income to a 501c3 charity. And we happen to be one of those. But you would have to send a check dated by December 31st. So in case you'd like to do that, the address is P.O. Box 376, Moraga, California. So today's show, we are going to be talking about how to survive a recession and how sleep can really affect your immune system and how we can boost it back up. And something that should be kind of interesting, and that's going to be in the third segment, And that is animals traveling on airplanes. For a very long time, many different kinds of animals have been considered emotional support animals, but passengers really abused that privilege, you know, and they brought on board peacocks and comfort snakes and comfort turkeys and comfort spiders and on and on and on. So they changed the rules to ensure the safety of the public, and we will talk about that uh, right away, (laughs) well, in the third segment. The Miracle Moment is by David Henry, uh, David, Henry David Thoreau, Cynthia is my, I'm tongue-tied today. Thought is the sculptor who can create the person you want to be. So that's Henry David Thoreau. So, you know, it comes back to what you think about and talk about comes about. Well, today, uh, before we go into how to survive a recession, if you've turned on the news, you know it's a historic day. It's the second impeachment of President Trump. And this um, he's the first president in history to be impeached twice. The House has impeached him for inciting an insurrection in last week's attack on the Capitol. And... Um, Ten Republicans broke from their party uh, to join the Democrats in approving a single article of impeachment. And so he will leave power as the first president in the nation's 245-year history to be impeached twice. The vote was 232 to 197. And the next step is the Senate will hold a trial to determine whether Trump should be removed from office, and that's unclear whether the Senate will hold the trial 
and vote on whether to remove Trump from his office before his term expires next week on January 20th. And most likely it won't um, because what will probably happen is that um, it will wait until after President Biden takes office and then I guess they'll they'll go from there. So I'm not quite sure how that all is going to work, but in any case, um, we will see. McConnell voting to convict Trump would give the members of his caucus permission to do as they wished. The Senate can still vote to convict him after he has left office. And Congress has actually never removed a president through impeachment, not Andrew Jackson, not Bill Clinton, and not Trump. They were all acquitted in the, Sen- in the Senate the last time. But if he's impeached and not convicted, he'll, he's only in office till next week anyway. And then it's up to the American people what they decide to do. So let's talk about recession. Uh, downturns are just tough on everybody. Uh, they're tough on employers. They're tough on employees. But if the good news is, is that if history is any indication, economic slumps are rarely insurmountable. They're based on past recessions. And these are a few very pragmatic actions that uh, winning companies take. So the first one in a down recession is you have to keep marketing. What happens so often is many business, you know, cut their advertising budgets during hard times. But history shows that that reduces their exposure, their mind share, and ultimately their demand. Now, I know that from my own, um, from writing for the newspaper, when uh, COVID first began, our newspaper had to shut down because all of its advertisements all the people that were advertising, and I mean, not all, but a big majority, they stopped advertising. And so there was no revenue for the newspaper to continue. So we were all out of jobs for a couple of months. And then um, slowly they started coming back and we, we got back, thank goodness. But another example is um, Post, which used to be the leading cereal maker before the Great Depression that started in 1929. When the Depression hit, it reduced its advertising budget. And at that time, Kellogg's was in second place, and it increased its budget by 30%. And then with very quickly, it just overtook Post as the leader, and it has never recovered from that. So the lesson there is when a recession comes, don't stop marketing. Another thing that people do that helps them through a recession is if you start offering short-term discounts or some, some incentives in some way. And although it does reduce margins, studies indicate that temporary discounts are highly sought after when money is tight. People really do uh, appreciate getting that extra discount, and it might make them a bit more loyal. Make some budget cuts. As revenue decreases, you have to decrease your budget as well. And although some cost cutting is encouraged, again, going back to research, it shows that those who make precise cuts fare better than those with wide-ranging cuts. For example, um, if you're reducing employees' hours, introducing furloughs, or providing performance pay, um, 
you want to continue access to existing talent without any permanent you know, layoffs. And that will give you the necessary manpower as long as you can keep people there uh, when everything comes back. Because if you let people go, how are you going to get them back? They probably have moved on to something else. And you want to develop a mindset of growth. Uh, another problem with extreme cost-cutting is that it fosters a siege mentality. And what happens there is it leads organizations to aim low, and then they get pessimistic, and they start focusing on survival instead of on growing their business. So you want to ask yourself, what new opportunities may I take advantage of now, and how can I grow? I kind of think that's the whole point of especially doing COVID-19 of what we call pivoting. At first, when people were using that word, I was like, what are you talking about pivoting? But now that's the way I look at it is continue growing, just find a new way to do it. And you always want to retain your loyal customers rather than investing in lots of different um, seedlings. The world's largest competitive pumpkin growers put all of their focus on the pumpkins with the largest growth potential. And what happened there is they retained their customers. So while this principle is true in times of plenty, experts agree that it is even more important when times are tough because your most loyal customers deserve the most attention. And a recession often forces businesses to reinvent themselves. But retraining or upskilling employees must always accompany a change. And for example, you can ask your employees to come up with their own personal development plan and then help them to fulfill it by giving them some time during the workday to do whatever it is that's going to help them grow, not only as a person, but in the company. You could also um, offer to pay for online training or give them uh, pay for their credential courses or sending to courses or uh, any kind of classes to help them build technical skills. So those are just a few things that you can do to, uh, to keep focused uh, and to survive a recession. And has been said many times before, it's always really, really good to have a little bit of money put away because you just never know when that rainy day is going to come and you are going to need that extra, that extra cash. So out of every paycheck, always put something away that will really help you stay, you know, stay in the, um, the black so you don't go in the red well we're going to take a short break and when we come back from break we're going to talk about how we can keep um, our pets <laughs> safe but how we will travel with the ones that we need for emotional support and what the new laws will be i'm cynthia bryan you're listening to star style be the star you are i'll be right back us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times best-selling author and lifestyle coach Cynthia Bryan will bring her energetic expertise 
passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Well, thanks. I'm still glad that you are here, and I am with you on this lovely Wednesday. So many people love to travel by air. I actually have to am one of them. Haven't been traveling at all during COVID, but will look forward to traveling again. I also love animals, and I have a huge barn lo- barnyard. I've adopted animals, all different kinds of animals. However, what I don't have is a comfort animal that I take <laughs> on airplanes with me. But a lot of people have had that, and it has become really common to travel on an airplane with animals under the classification of emotional support animals, which has allowed travel in the cabin with minimal restraint. And this policy has produced lots of conflicts, you know, challenges and um, controversy. So how does an animal, first of all, travel safely with guarantees of no aggression or anxiety produced by the often distressing nature of uh, navigating the airport, the plane, the loud noises, the unfamiliar scents, and, you know, just generally scary conditions. This classification has received criticism for pet owners who abuse the privilege as evidenced by pet owners asking for sedatives or anti-anxiety medications for these same pets that are supposed to provide the comfort to their anxious owners. Now, maybe this was a way for pet owners to bypass the regulated restraint during travel, such as the confinement to appropriate size carriers, or maybe it was to avoid placing pets in baggage compartments. But the height of the controversy reached a really interesting peak in 2018 when United Airlines denied recognizing Dexter the peacock as an emotional support animal and refused to allow him to fly from Newark to Los Angeles. Well, you know, I find this humorous, but it does highlight the probable overreach of pet owners for their attempts to transport animals. Um, We, on our ranch, we used to raise peacocks. And if you know anything about a peacock, first of all, 
they are huge birds. They would take up a seat by themselves. And if, if it is a, a male with that beautiful tail, that would take up two seats. <laughs> it's just, it's huge. But worse than that, they have a scream like a dying baby. And if that, if that peacock were to screech, it could just upset absolutely everyone. And it just brings up another, another point that I was thinking, and that is the allergies that other people have to pets. A lot of people have cat allergies, dog allergies, you know, dander, whatever. So there's all these kinds of issues. But people started taking all kinds of things on planes, you know, as I said at the top of the hour, there were comfort snakes and comfort spiders, <laughs> comfort turkeys. So at the time, Delta Airlines released a statement that customers have flown with all of these kind of comfort animals, and they totally ignored the true intent of existing rules governing the transport of service and support animals. And that can be a real disservice to customers who have real and documented needs. So it's really important that they do change these rules now. Now, veterinarians weighed in on it as well. So there are two major issues with the classification. The first starts with the documentation that is required. Several years ago, the original forms that airlines required had a section for veterinarians to sign, stating that they could guarantee that this pet was well-behaved and would show no signs of aggression during air travel. But very quickly, airlines had to change the statement when veterinary uh, organizations, such as the American Veterinary Medical Association, protested. It's impossible to make that guarantee, and it makes the signee veterinarian liable for bite incidents because any individual, human or animal, might very well lash out under stressful conditions. I haven't ever bit anyone, but I'm sure that we all lash out when we get upset sometimes. A prominent veterinary behavior specialist likes to say the question is not whether the dog will bite, it's under what circumstances. Now, very rarely, dogs will just curl up quietly in the corner when they're feeling cornered, anxious, fearful, or stressed. And at some point, it's reasonable to assume that they will, in fact, seek a way out. And in doing so, they're going to exhibit aggression behavior that is actually quite reasonable, which under those circumstances. So what happened then is that the airlines changed the form to require a veterinary statement that the pet owner has indicated to me, in other words, that would be the person who is traveling, that this pet has not shown signs of aggression and has never bit anyone. And that statement provoked less controversy in the veterinary community, but many vets still refused to sign it because it still had an implication that potentially induces liability to the veterinarian. Then, the second issue was with uh, another classification that occurred when the pet owner asked the veterinarian for something to calm the pet down during travel because the pet is so anxious. That is an inherent contradiction because how can a comfort pet animal that is actually supposed to do the job for which it is classified, which is 
provide emotional support to a human. That's why it's ESA, emotional support animal. When the pet himself or herself is under a mind-altering medication that quite often produces sedation. That's, a, you know, just like having a drug warning that says, don't operate heavy machinery when taking this medication. So you can't do your job when you're mentally or physically unable to do a job. And a properly trained service animal knows exactly how to provide their service under stressful, loud, and confusing situations. They know how to remain calm and focused on their duties. Now, I can't imagine that a snake, a spider, a turkey, <laughs> or a peacock could be trained to do any of those things. I totally see how a dog could. I'm not sure a cat could. Um, I don't think my pigs or goats or chickens or ducks or geese or any of my birds could do that. But all of those things, have people have tried to get them on a plane. So in any event, the decision-making process for pet owners and veterinarians has just been clarified by the Department of Transportation in its recent ruling that emotional support animals are recognized as pets, not service animals. The goal of this statement is to ensure that air transportation system, and this is a quote, ensure that air transportation system is safe for the traveling public and accessible to individuals with disabilities, end quote. So this new statement provides a very clear definition of a service animal as, and again, I'm quoting, a dog that has been trained to work or perform tasks for the benefit of an individual with a disability including a physical, sensory, psychiatric, intellectual, or other mental disability. It also provides some specific points in allowing airline carriers to require harnesses and leashes or other kind of leash system, as well as the requirement for a um, doctor's order generated form to attest to the animal's training its good behavior and its health, including current rabies vaccination. And this form puts the responsibility of this statement on the owner rather than the veterinarian. And this ruling for flying has taken effect as of January 1st of 2021. So now that people uh, will be getting vaccines and it, the vaccines have started, thank goodness, and will be probably going back to the friendly skies soon, that means that these rules are in place. And so they're very, very specific. So in case you're thinking of bringing your pet rat or parakeet or panda onto a plane as your comfort animal, make sure you call your airline first and find out what is going to be appropriate. Because Probably, unless it is the dog with the papers and the training, it's not going to work. Now, are you getting enough sleep? I think these times have been very, very troubling. We're in a really divisive um, atmosphere right now, and it's hard. I think people are really impacted by what has been going on throughout the world. They have the pandemic. They have this uh, 
a political system where we, you know, everybody's at each other's throat. I have, I guess they call them javelinas or wild pigs that are marauding my gardens and digging up everything. In fact, it's our, ent- our entire neighborhood. And it's, it's tough getting the proper sleep. And if you don't get it, it impacts your health, including your immune system. So if you want to keep your immune system strong year-round, you have to get more shut-eye. And habits that can encourage healthy sleep will help support your uh, immune system. And research is showing that getting enough sleep supports the body's natural defenses against both viral and bacterial infections. And of course, now more than ever, when we have COVID, um, you know, circulating and now new strains happening, we really need to boost our immune systems as much as possible. So what happens during sleep is the body releases infection-fighting proteins that are called cytokines. And without adequate sleep, the body has fewer protective cytokines to fight off illness. So in addition to making people sleepy, into response um, to infections, the cytokines help regulate the body's immune response. And when levels of certain cytokines are elevated, they make you sleepy, which may be a way to conserve energy to fight off infection. And when you miss sleep, it also reduces infection-fighting white blood cells. And those are natural um, killer cells So there was research from the University of California at Los Angeles and the San Diego Veterans Affairs Medical Center that found a 30% reduction in natural killer cell activity in healthy adults after they lost just four hours of sleep. I think back on my younger days when I wasn't so attuned to the importance of sleep and how I felt, you know, so proud of myself because I could literally survive on three or four hours. And... I obviously can't now, but you know, the, my motto used to be, oh, I'll sleep when, I di- when I'm dead. Well, what you don't realize, if you don't get enough sleep, you are going to be dead a lot sooner. So sleep is really critical. Now, if you're planning a vaccination, this one I found really, really interesting. Prioritizing your sleep before getting any vaccination could pay off in heightened immunity. Sleep appears to support the protective levels of antibodies post-vaccine. So in the, there was a journal, it's called the journal Sleep. It found that people who slept less than six hours per night were less likely to be protected after receiving a vaccine than those who slept seven hours or more. And then another study that was published in the Journal of American Medical Association with um, which there's uh, JAMA, J-A-M-A is the shortened version of it, found that sleep-deprived adults who received a flu shot had fewer than half the protective antibodies developed by vaccinated adults with normal sleep times. So antibodies have been a really big topic this year because antibodies confer immunity against viral illness and the immune system works better when you sleep. So vaccines are definitely more effective when they are administered after adequate sleep. And so if you're going to get any uh, vaccine soon, whether it be the flu shot or your COVID-19 vaccine, 
make sure to get a minimum of seven and try to go for eight hours of sleep the night before. And the best way to ensure that adequate restful sleep is to establish good sleep practices at home. So first you want to determine how much sleep you need. And on average, as I was saying, as we all know, we most adults need eight to nine hours a night, but everybody's different. So seven would be like the minimum and nine is probably the maximum. Eight is optimal. And on a weekend when you don't have to be up in the morning, you can allow yourself to wake up naturally without an alarm clock to see how, how many hours that you actually need to feel your best. But you don't want to create pressure or stress around sleep because if you do that, uh, you're going to not sleep. Instead, make time for sleep by committing to avoid, you know, computer screens, telephones, uh, work, any strenuous exercise, any stimulating uh, media and alcohol for one or two hours every night before you go to bed. And you might want to set the stage for sleep by keeping your bedroom cool. What is recommended is keeping your bedroom no warmer than 70 degrees and somewhere between 60 and 70 with maybe 65 being the best. Keep it dark, quiet, and free of electronics. I mean, like no TV and no computers and no iPads and no phones. I know that's a hard one for most people, but if you really want to have good sleep, that's what is recommended. And then establish regular times for sleep because that will encourage a healthy sleep pattern. So if you get up about the same time every day and spending 30 minutes in the sunlight in the first hour that you're awake, it helps you sleep by cueing that evening production of melatonin. So during the winter months, consider using a light therapy lamp with a light output of 10,000 lux in lieu of natural light if you're, you know, if you're in a place that's really dark. Well, the thing that I do every every single morning, and I think it's helped me because I'm a I'm definitely a good sleeper, but I you know I'm I'm fairly I'm very busy during the day, so I'm pretty tired at night. But when I get up in the morning, my first thing to do is to meditate for twenty hour or twenty minutes, not twenty hours, for twenty minutes outside in nature, in the natural light. And then I usually, after meditation, spend another 10 minutes just walking around the garden and the hillside just to kind of see what's going on. And it just it just makes my day. It just grounds me, and I feel so much better uh, because of that. So getting that natural light first thing in the morning, uh, that sunlight, or I do it whether it's raining or not, but just being outside and meditating, that seems to help me for getting good sleep at night, too. So build in a regular movement throughout the day, too, because you want to prepare your body for restful sleep at night. And that includes exercise, because the role of exercise promotes sleep. And people really don't recognize exercise as helping you sleep as much as helping keep your body in shape. So if you exercise um, in the morning, uh, that's great. I aim for 30, you know, 30 minutes or so. Or between like four and seven, that might really help you at night, four and seven at night. Or take a, just take a quick walk or after work. Um, it's a great way to relieve the stress, both mentally and physically, that builds up during the day. 
And then finally, consider a strategic supplementation to support better sleep. So respiratory health is on everybody's mind. And uh, you might want to use some, you know, supplemental melatonin, which might have a protective effect on your lung health, um, thanks to its antioxidant properties. But you want to talk to your physician if you're going to do any kind of supplements um, because you want to stay healthy. Now, just remember that restful sleep is always important. But it's especially critical when you want to be at your healthiest and your happiest. So establishing healthy habits will help you sleep well, and it'll help you stay well. So that means, you know, eating well, exercising uh, the right amount, uh, meditating, or at least getting outside for 30 minutes of sunlight every day. All of that is going to help you. So consider tonight try to get some good sleep. So take those electronics out of your bedroom, make your room cool, kind of cool, you know, maybe take a warm bath or drink some some hot milk or hot cocoa, something like that. And um, spend 15 minutes reading as opposed to being on your computer or television. And then hopefully you'll be able to have a good sleep. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to uh, discuss about being your own therapist and kind of some mistakes that we do make um, from time to time, especially when we're talking to others. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back in just a bit. Don't go away. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do you know how to make yourself happy? Happiness is a choice. By creating more joy and happiness in your life, you will be a better employee or employer. Joyful people are optimistic and energetic. To help yourself on the journey to more fun in the workplace, write a to-do list every day and at the top write as your number one goal, enjoy myself. Recharge your batteries with enough sleep, a good healthy diet, and social interactions. Share positive feelings and accomplishments with your peers, even if it's by phone, Skype, FaceTime, or Zoom. Respect yourself and others. See humor in mistakes and imperfections. Allow yourself to be playful and identify the activities that make you happy. When you're joyful, your enthusiasm will be contagious in the company allowing your bottom line to have more dollar signs. It takes more muscles to frown than to smile. So smile a lot. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan.com. Be the star you are. The star you are. 
The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. BeTheStarYouAre.org. Dare to care. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of showbiz. Well, we are back, and I'm thanking you for staying with me. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We are with you every Wednesday live from 4 to 5 p.m. right here on the Voice American Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. I always want to bring you lots of different information to help you make informed decisions, change your life for the better if that's what you need to do, or just let you have a little bit of fun and, you know, perhaps um, get some laughter and have some conversation around the table or some controversy. That's always good too. I mean, we, you know, we all have to, we can, we don't all want to disagree. I mean, we don't all want to agree. It's good to disagree because if we all agreed, we wouldn't need each other. I, I think it's really important to have different viewpoints. So we try to bring you different viewpoints um, here on Star Style. So, uh, you know, we're all kind of, I don't know about you, but I know that my entire life, uh, people have shared their issues and problems and challenges and secrets with me, because I am a person that if you let me know that something is confidential, I will go to my grave with that. I will not, I will never, never, um, do anything to lose your trust. I unless it unless you tell me something that was very dangerous for somebody else, I suppose. But that's never happened. But in any case, uh, we're all kind of amateur psychologists. Now, of course, that's why I started working as a coach and a life coach because I was able to help people. But we can make a lot of mistakes when tending to the emotional needs of others. And, you know, it takes a lot of training and certification to become a clinical psychologist. And most people don't go through that. Yet, most of us also find ourselves in the role of maybe the family therapist, you know, providing solace and support and advice for those who are struggling with either physical and emotional challenges. And there's always something going on. One of the things that I learned early on is just to listen and always ask if somebody wants your opinion or your advice. 
Because very often people are only looking for a listening ear and they really don't want you to try to fix their problem. But during this time of this pandemic, I think especially since so many people have been sheltering at home and in place that, you know, almost everybody has become that listening ear for somebody else. And you might be getting tired of taking care of other people's psychological needs. It's, they call it compassion fatigue, and it's actually a real thing, compassion uh, fatigue. And it doesn't serve anyone well if you start to feel resentment or burnout from constantly being that emotional support to everyone. So I've called through some common mistakes that people make when they start playing the family therapist. And there are some ways to offer more effective support. So use what might be useful for you and discard what you don't think is useful. So the first one is pretty obvious. I just said that it's really important to listen as much as possible. That's why we have two ears and one mouth. We need to listen more than we speak. But talking too much is actually the most common error when offering support. People really need to be listened to and they need to be heard. And they don't need to be told how they should feel or be given direct advice about how to solve their problems unless they are actually asking you for that. So you can do a great deal by just letting people talk and just being listening. Look them in the eye, nod your head, you know, uh, hold their hand if you're there with them. Most important is repeat back to them what they have said so that they know you have heard them correctly. And if you're having a hard time with it, uh, you know, you can say that is, I, I feel that you are really having a difficult time talking to me about this. And it's hard for me as well. But give them permission to speak and to go to that painful part of themselves. So the second thing is, as I said, is giving them permission, ask permission if you can work with them, because what we often do so often is just go right into, I can fix you. So when somebody comes to you because they're struggling with their boyfriend or, you know, their wife or their boss, um, or maybe they say that, you know, their arm hurts or they think they're getting sick. And that your first reaction is to jump into fixing it. And something like, you know, your, your girlfriend is terrific. You should be grateful. Or that's the wrong way to go about it. Usually people already know what they need to do to fix the problem. They just need, again, going back to that listening ear. And especially now, people are really struggling with loneliness and Making recommendations to spend more time isn't insightful, and it might actually reinforce the problem if you try to tell people that, you know, this is what you have to do. So you just want to be more helpful by asking permission to maybe brainstorm with them and maybe say, well, let's see if we can find some meaningful solutions together. And, you know, maybe we can improve the situation 
Or would you just want a shoulder to cry on right now? Because sometimes that's all you need. I know sometimes when I'm just feeling down, I just want to get it off my chest. And so I literally go up to the barnyard. I talk to my animals. They don't talk back, but I sure feel good right afterwards. And I don't have to worry about somebody trying to fix it because they've already fixed it just by listening to me. So the key is always to offer a couple of choices. And that is people respond better when they're presented options rather than single solutions once you've asked permission. Another thing is, um, is it better to get together or to talk over the phone? Well, obviously, if you can talk to somebody in person, if you're safe to do that, that's always good because you can read each other's nonverbal cues when you can see each other. But you can do the same on a video call. So that could be a Skype video call or it could be a Zoom video call. And that person can see the concern in your face and they can feel the interest in your talking. Um, If you can't set up a video call or a chat with someone in person, then you want to try to get the help of someone else who is close to you, maybe a good friend, or or you might even suggest um, that they talk to a professional because sometimes talking over the phone when you're being, you know, when somebody's telling you things, maybe they don't feel that you care enough. They might be struggling to find the right words. Um, you can't really tell how they're breathing or are, are they trying to hide, you know, tears. Uh, so it, the, obviously the best thing that you can do is to at least see the person so that you can fill them in. That's, that is really an important thing. So um, another mistake that a lot of people do, and I I know that I have been um, guilty of this, but I've worked on it a lot, and that is when someone stops talking, that you immediately try to fill that gap because silence is so uncomfortable. And it, you know, that might lead you to respond too quickly. Being a radio personality and a TV personality, obviously, we can't have sound gaps. So it's a bad thing. If I just quit talking right now, you wouldn't hear anything. You'd think that the radio, you know, went dead or the electricity's off or the satellite's off or the batteries are dead or whatever. But when you're talking to somebody and you're trying to help them, you really have to give them space to contemplate, to think about it, to process. So listening and active listening is not being passive. It is empathizing, and you want to empathize with others' feelings. You could say something like, you really sound sad. I hear you, and I I feel how scared you must be. Or you can paraphrase whatever their words are. For example, oh, you woke up this morning and you felt like it was just the end of the world or you felt like I'm never going to get, you know, get anywhere or nobody loves me. I hear you. So you want to let them know that they have truly been heard and that you're there for them. And then if the silence is just there, just let it be there for a bit. Let this, let the silence of, 
let just breathe with them. And if you need to do some kind of intervention, you can just reiterate again and say, I really do hear you. Do we do you just need a couple of minutes of quiet right now? And another mistake is judgment. All of us are guilty of being judgy and saying things like, well, you shouldn't feel that way. I mean, cheer up. Things could be worse. You know, somebody died yesterday. You lost your job, but it's not the end of the world. Something good will happen. Look on the bright side. The sun's going to shine tomorrow. You know, all those things are, are good to look on the bright, bright side, but you're judging their reality in a time when they don't want to be judged and they maybe they need to wallow in their sadness at the moment. So just accept them where they are. Just validate that reality, even if it's not yours. You could be having an incredibly wonderful day and feeling very bright, but let them know you hear them. Again, paraphrase their words because feelings are feelings are feelings and their feelings are their feelings. And we don't share the same feelings. And we're entitled to our feelings, no matter how happy or how sad or how unrealistic or how realistic they really are. So we are entitled to them. So we have to learn to accept that. And depression and anxiety are very normal during these times. I mean, I have not in my lifetime and probably not in most people's lives had a year as tumultuous and frightening and just turned upside down in every way as as this past uh, 11 months have been. And we're not even to the 12 months yet. So again, people are going to be stressed. They are going to be depressed. They are going to be anxious. So many people have lost their jobs. They're not sure. Some people aren't sure how they're going to pay their rent or where their next meal is coming from or, you know, um, uh, or how they're going to get to work, or are they going to get sick from the pandemic? So don't starve them of that opportunity to express themselves. Simply listen and then respond with, I agree, these are really awful times, and we can talk about it anytime you want. And boy, it's sure going to be great when we can get out and about again and just let them know that you empathize with how they feel. And then the last thing I just want to say is that sometimes it's going to be necessary to bring in a professional because maybe your loved one or your friend is going to need more support than what you can offer. And there are signs of that because there we don't want any suicides or any personal harm. So if the person is having really major disruptive sleep, like staying in bed for 10 hours or 12 hours and still feeling tired or waking up in the middle of the night, not being able to go back to sleep or not being able to sleep at all, or just lack of energy or motivation, um, a lack of appetite or eating too much, or neglecting their self-care, like not brushing their teeth or not showering if they're crying a lot or if they're withdrawing from other people 
or failing to engage with uh, any kind of social opportunities that are available, or if they start talking about death or pain or troubling statements about self-harm, remember, it is always up to the person to get help, but you can suggest it. And at, there is that point when you're going to need professional help. So don't, um, don't run away from that. Professional help can make a difference. Well, thank you very much for being with me here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I hope that you will be tuned in here to Star Style, uh, Be the Star You Are every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. And also listen to our teen show, Express Yourself, on Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific, both airing right here on Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. For more information about Star Style Productions or myself, Cynthia Bryan, or to purchase any of the books that I've written and you get extra goodies and a complimentary CD, um, go to CynthiaBryan.com. You can click on the store to get the books. To make a donation to Be The Star You Are charity, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. See beyond your physical being and know you are already the star that you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And just to feel uplifted, I really suggest one of my books, Be the Star You Are, either 99 Gifts, Be the Star You Are for Teens, or Millennials to Boomers. You'll find a lot of life lessons in there. So until we celebrate again next Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m., remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are, be your unapologetically authentic self, and have a wonderful week. Be the star you the star you are, be the star you are, you are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.